High Trust, along with Deloitte Advisory Cyber Risk Services, in coordination with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, recently revealed findings from a cyber attack simulation exercise for health plans. The exercise earlier this year brought together 250 individuals from 12 health plans across the U.S. to test their preparedness to respond to a major cyber attack on the healthcare sector. So, what was learned about the preparedness of health plans to handle a major cyber attack? I'm Marianne Kolbasek McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with John Jeline. Director of Deloitte Advisory Cyber Risk Services, who will discuss the key findings of the CyberRx exercises that were designed, executed, and observed by his firm for High Trust. So now, John, briefly tell us who participated in the CyberRx exercise, what sorts of health plans, and what sorts of professionals from those companies. There were 12 participant health plans, and some of those health plans did not want who they were put out there in the public domain. But in terms of the sorts of professionals at those companies who participated, so an important aspect of uh, CyberRx health plans was to design a scenario that impacted the entire organization, not just the technical staff, as well as really the health plan ecosystem. So that's why we had multiple health plans involved in this uh, scenario was to create sort of that ecosystem environment. And so there was an internal response, and then there was the necessity to reach out to external stakeholders at which they interact with. As a result, each of the health plans quickly learned that they would really need to have representation across the range of roles within their company, such as the CIO, the CISO, legal, strategic communications, because at some point, Within the event, the input of these key stakeholders would be required. And in some instances, we had the CEO of the health plan participate in the exercise. And we had, I know one health plan that actually had their CEO who was very engaged in the exercise and participating and driving solutions and courses of actions and decisions. Now, did the Department of Health and Human Services also participate? We had a wide range of participation from the external. So the idea of coordination with government agencies like uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, they were participants in the development of the actual scenario that we used. They actually ran the simulation as an internal exercise within Health and Human Services as well. And then, of course, High Trust and specifically the High Trust Cyber Threat Exchange, the CTX that they used to distribute threat information to the health plans, was integrated into this game. John, how did the mock cyber attack work? I understand that the exercise involved attackers who targeted the health plans' claims processing systems. We worked very closely with the program committee, uh, representation from High Trust Health and Human Services and the health plans had uh, some representation in a program committee that drove sort of how we wanted to build a scenario for this particular uh, event. And one of the things that was important was that we build the scenario to be more than just technical scenario, that you know, the technical response teams at various levels, they can mitigate uh, cyber attacks. And we wanted to make sure that this particular set scenario escalated into the business because more and more at Deloitte, we see our clients having to wrestle with the business impacts 
of a cyber attack. So from a simulation perspective, we set up the adversary goals within the scenarios twofold. First was through one of the company's third-party vendors, a partner, a business partner, to gain access to a claims processing uh, engine, a kind of IP, to exploit that and subsequently be able then to submit false medical claims for payout fictitious providers. And so that was the attack vector on the business side. And then also uh, another important element from the attacker's perspective was to be able to then also, from that third-party vendor, be able to get data files that had PHI and, and PII and to sell that information or make that information available for sale on the dark web. So that was sort of a two-pronged challenge for all of the health plans to be able to respond to. So now, John, how did this mock cyber attack resemble the kinds of cyber attacks that we have seen on major health plans this year? So this particular scenario was developed in terms of an ability to touch and reach the business. It was not developed based upon current events. It was not based on any factual breach that had occurred within the healthcare industry. It was based upon the ability just to drive the scenario in such a way so that it would impact the business and result in the necessity for the organizations to come to the table with a whole of organization incident response to this. So was the exercise developed and planned, you know, even prior to some of the big breaches that we've seen with the health plan sector this year? So we began the development of this scenario in April of uh, 2015. We, we did not reach out to any real-life examples to do this. Like I said, it was really all about building a scenario that made sense, that was feasible, plausible, and that would involve the business and the technical response. So now with that said, how did the health plans respond? What were their overall strengths and weaknesses? So I think from a strengths perspective, there were a, a number of noted successes in the exercise to include the fact that overall industry awareness of the value of working together to the extent possible when faced with a cyber attack is, is necessary. And, and then increasing that awareness was, I think, a major success. Participants also acknowledged the necessity in this exercise to bring together not just the technology teams, but also to integrate across business, legal, privacy, uh, and others to really assemble a team approach to defeating an adaptive adversary. And the exercise highlighted the need to do that and the ability to build that cohesive team in response to an attack. I think all of the participants came away from the exercise with the value of the ongoing public and private partnerships, including the strong relationships with HHS High Trust and and between the health plans themselves when dealing with a cyber incident, to be able to understand if I'm attacked in this way, what are you seeing? And being able to see the value in sharing information to the extent that they did, that they see tremendous value in that. And finally, I think the the real uh, value of the timely and accurate threat intelligence. And, and I think everyone understood this, that it's essential to know, and I'm a former military officer. I just retired from the Navy after 30 years. And, you know, in the military, your planning efforts are guided by 
intelligence. And so having timely and accurate intelligence was seen of tremendous value to the health plans, and a part of that is also the information sharing so that everybody is on the same page within the organization as to what is going on, what is the threat, what are the attack vectors, and how timely can I get that information so that I can build my plans to be able to respond accordingly. The second part of your question was weaknesses. After CyberRx, we interviewed each of the individual health plan referees. These were the folks that were local on site at the health plans, and there was a central control station in Chicago that ran the overall inject timeline and sequencing, and the referees were on site to help us and guide us and convey to us the key decisions that were being made on site. And then we also compiled the observer notes to identify additional opportunities to improve incident response and crisis management procedures, and there are three areas that stood out. Number one, that the current incident response plans for some of the plans were inadequate to address the threat posed within this particular scenario. And it kind of gets back to the third party. What are my business partner relationships with a third party vendor? How, if I have a vendor breach that affects my company, what are my relationships, my, my legal implications of that? All of the things that need to be thought out in advance so that we can work as a team by having challenges and exchanging information for the common good. I think in this scenario, challenge that. Number two, that the organizations still need to work on communication both internally and externally during a crisis. Some companies that had done exercises before were much better at this than, say, others who acknowledged this was the first time that they had done a cyber exercise as a whole of organization. A number of the plans said that, you know, we do this, we have our technical teams run through this, are very good, but, but then when you take that and you put that into the whole of the organization and move, try to move information in a way that is allowing the organization to synchronize, there were challenges with that in terms of communications. And then three, that the organizations, it kind of gets back to what I just said, is that they really recognize the need to improve their incident response capabilities from a whole organization perspective, that it can't be stovepiped or pigeonholed into a single, you're in charge, go fix that. It's really a team sport. And I think everyone, to one degree or another, recognized that there was definitely a need to improve in that regard. Based on all of that, what are your top recommendations before the healthcare sector encounters its next real major cyber attack, what should they be doing to overcome some of these issues? I think that the health plans, that the, the and not just health plans, but there has to be a recognition that cyber incidents today are going to be persistent and unpredictable. There's this old military adage, the adversary gets a vote, meaning that the organizations now really more than ever need to establish those clear communication paths across the organization to synchronize themselves and to also include and extend out to third parties and high trust and CTX, law enforcement, government agencies. And I think that and to improve, they also need to recognize that cyber incidents are no longer going to be short duration events. I referred to it yesterday as a, they're no longer going to be a cleanup on aisle nine approach, that these incidents and the sophistication of the attacks take weeks, months, maybe even years to recover from, and so that they need to continue to build out their whole of organization responses, not just internally but also externally. But I think to really improve in the long term, organizations need to recognize they have to have a plan. They have to have rehearsed that plan before an incident recurs, and they'll be much better prepared when the real event comes along. Having the plan is one thing. 
but having the plan, distributing the plan, learning the plan, and that's really the key, is learning the plan, making sure everyone understands it. And then also very key is regularly conducting exercises to validate that everyone understands what their roles are, what their authorities are, and all of that combined will enhance the organization's overall cyber resilience. Now, you mentioned that when it comes to weaknesses, the whole idea of communication is a weakness. What can these organizations be doing better so that they're prepared to communicate what they need to communicate in the time of a crisis such as a cyber attack? There's a lot of fronts to this. So communicating, communicating within the organization, there's the ability to make sure that within your incident response plans that you have clearly accounted for who is going to be on the team, what their roles are going to be, and what their responsibilities are with respect to incident response. So communicating in that regard. Communicating from a strategic communications, both internally and externally, you know, the communications teams, they can have pre-written holding statements in their hip pocket so that when incidents occur, some of those legal reviews and the things that you want to make sure are right are done in advance and that when the event comes, it's sort of like, okay, this event hit, how does this need to be written? And there's a big difference between the two because in time of crisis, to start from scratch is really not where you want to be. So, John, now what's next? What's next for the next CyberRx exercise, and when will that be, and who will be involved? CyberRx 2.0 is the overarching exercise program that is developed and executed by HITRUST, and that is an ongoing program. In other words, there is a playbook. Organizations have scenarios that they can pull from the playbook, and they can run and exercise their organizations utilizing that guidance and getting up to the level certification, levels one through three. It's really about sustaining a regimen of consistent exercising and practice, practice, practice. And that program is ongoing so that there's no what's next. It's This is a program that is ongoing. You can take advantage of this. You can have third parties like Deloitte, other vendors come in and help you execute these cyber war games within your organizations, but the basic guidelines are there. As far as CyberRx HP health plans or even moving it back to more of the health plan provider space, I do not believe HITRUST has announced any definitive plans to run the next one. I know this is the, the second exercise, and HITRUST has not announced whether, for sure whether or not they're going to do a next one. Of course, if they do, we would love to help them again, but we'll stand by on that. Thanks, John. I've been speaking to John Jolene. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.